We're continuing to work our way through the Gospel of St. Mark. If you'd like to follow along, it too is printed in your bulletin insert. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God of light and mystery and wonder and presence, we pray your spirit upon both the reading and hearing of these words so that we might hear your word for us this day. So we make these prayers in the power of your many names. Amen. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. To sit at my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them together and said, Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to become first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Humanity came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sometimes, sometimes, we behave as though there is something more important than life. But what? Asked the little prince in a book by the same title. Sometimes we behave as though there was something more important but life. But what could that be? I imagine that question might have been rattling around in Jesus' mind when James and John asked him the question that they did. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Really? Now, Jesus, being much kinder than I would have been, said, what is it you want me to do for you? I might have said something differently. Then the presumptuous request comes. Grant us to sit on your right hand and one on your left in your glory. You've got to be kidding. I mean, that's what I thought when I first read this text. I thought, come on, guys. Give me a break. Get a grip here. I know we say there are no wrong questions. However, I think this interchange between Jesus and the disciples might indicate there might be a wrong question. So asking the right or wrong questions can lead to a life full and expansive or one that seems to never measure up, which seemed to be true for the two disciples. Sometimes we do behave as though there was something more important than life. Clearly, John and James weren't grounded in the present moment. And no wonder that the other disciples, when they heard of it, got angry. Now, I've often wondered, this is a sidebar, were they angry because they didn't ask the question first? This is just my conjectures here. You know, when it comes to our relationship with the holy that we call God, this mystery that we call the divine, we often don't know what we're asking. I 
think of all the times that I've prayed or sought from God some answer or some response or some action because I know exactly what is best for Jeff, what is needed in a particular situation, and I'm sharing my wisdom with God so that God will know as well. Have you ever done this? I think all of us at some time have. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Our reading from Job reinforces this. We pick up the narrative in chapter 38, where God responds to Job, who in chapter 37 chastises God for refusing to hear his complaints and be silent in the face of all his suffering. God then, where we picked it up today, almost with a sense of exasperation says, where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined this measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid the cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and the heavenly beings shouted for joy? God tells Job in the rest of chapter 38 and all of chapter 39 that Job was asking the wrong question, seeking the wrong direction, just like the two in our disciple, two in our gospel this morning. Like God to Job, Jesus confronts the disciples, calls them out on their flawed thinking, and reminds them of who God is and who they are in relationship with God in relationship with one another. If followers of Jesus seek to be great, they must serve. We are told those who want to be first must be last. This message, this truth, this reality, writes Joey Duffold, is not one James or John wanted to hear, nor did the other ten, nor do disciples down through the ages, nor do we. We want Jesus to do for us exactly what we want Jesus to do for us. But when was the last time that you asked Jesus to make you the last of all? When was the last time you asked Jesus to make you a servant? And have you ever heard a liturgical prayer in worship that said, God, take away my status and my power and make me the least and the last? I thought that'd be an interesting tagline for a stewardship campaign, but that's why we didn't go there. We went together, anything is possible. You see, my friends, the meta message here is that Christians, we're in this all together. To be one who serves is to be one who is served. To be the last means we become one of the most. And it's all dependent on the questions that we ask. In a few moments, we will have the opportunity and joy to welcome a new member into the Church of Jesus Christ. Jennifer and Miles will bring their son Hugh along with his godparents, and they will be asked some questions. Questions not about who will sit on the left or right of God, or of Jesus, or of glory. No, 
but questions about what it means to be in community together, community and communal servanthood. The questions that Miles and Jennifer are about to be asked are all about discipleship. And discipleship is what is done together, not what is done alone. A disciple is one who serves on behalf of the teacher. A disciple of Jesus, then, means that we follow his example of teachings and love. And you, the beloved of Seventh Avenue, you're asked a question as well. You're asked a question on behalf of this particular congregation on Seventh Avenue in the inner sense of San Francisco, but you're also asked a question on behalf of the Catholic Church Universal. For these asking and answering of these questions grounds us in the reality that together anything is possible. Together we learn, as the little prince reminds us, there is nothing more important than life. And this is God's greatest gift to each of us. So let us be aware of the questions we ask. Do they lead to service and life where together anything is possible?